Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I want a more. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios. <laughs> Why do you laugh when you say Because this isn't gleaming, it isn't streamlined. But you're supposed to paint the picture for the audience. All right. All right let's, let's paint the real picture, okay? Place is a dump. We're in uh, somewhere in the Los Angeles area. It's like being in an 1876 Virginia City-style bar sitting in Matt Allen's backyard. Sitting in tons of garbage. Yeah. It's a great legendary hey, there place. are... Uh, this, this just in. <laughs> I found Matt Allen's cheat sheet uh, notes from the 1995 are still sitting here. Okay, the audience, I'm sure, found that very funny. Uh-huh. Why don't we start the show, Burl? Ladies and gentlemen, we're proud to announce that Aaron Moriarty, well-known public figure, broadcaster, crime hottie, is on the phone. Hi, Aaron. Hi. I always like the crime hottie. That's my favorite. <laughs> also, the CBS stands for Crime Babe Supreme. Oh, Aaron, all right. Okay. Aaron, Aaron, this, uh, Aaron this, I, I have to say... I did not know until today that on your Wikipedia page, you carry the award for Crime Hottie from True Crime Radio. (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't. uh, Turn that down, Matt. I can't hear it. Does it really say that? Yeah, yes, it, it does. Re- it really does. You're going to have to... Uh, I'm just trying to help. You're going to have to do something about that. <laughs> I didn't yeah, put it on there. <laughs> You're going to have to get that out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Howard wants to... We all have questions. You know, today's Aaron Day, so we all get to ask our questions when our friend Aaron comes to visit. Uh, Howard wants to know what event could possibly be at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in Los Angeles when it's 112 outside. Because the Holly Shorts the short film festival is going on and has been going on since Wednesday. But I happen to have someone who I know who's very near and dear to my heart who has two films in it. Ooh. So I'm going for for an event that happens right before these movies are shown tonight. So, oh. so you're basically supporting your friend here. Uh, you mean the one who's in the movies? No, you're support. You're going to support your friend. Oh, Not financially, yeah. necessarily, but emotionally. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Oh, good. Are these hot I'm films? I'm the executive producer of one of the films, so... Stag? So, yes, Stag. Yeah, it stars Arnold, Arnold Stag. <laughs> Stag film. <laughs> We're having just a little trouble A little hearing. side conference. Yeah, could you turn your uh, voice up a little bit? Uh, have your engineer turn up the uh, telephone? Are we talking about me? Yes. We're always talking about you, Aaron. I know, but I'm unfortunately just on my phone. Oh. I'm wondering how I can turn it up. I don't think I can. Just, yeah, just I talk. To, just, just talk into just a little closer to the mic. That's we're we're, we're almost there. We're fine. We're okay. not going to complain. Okay. You know, we, we you know when we get somebody like you on the show, we don't complain. No, we let Sorry, the listeners. I did think I'd be in New York, but I happened to be. I was shooting all weekend in Los Angeles, and then just stayed because of the event tonight. So you stayed? Yeah. That's I nice. Stayed. I'm here. Yeah, it's, it's very nice. Cool. Had we known that, we would have invited you to the uh, Lighten Up Lounge uh, live and in person, but that's okay. Yeah, she would have yeah, had to slip all the way to the film thing. I would have gotten her a car. <laughs> Everything would have oh, worked right. out. <laughs> yeah, you're a star, Aaron. We would have taken good care of you. Just because we never gave you the toaster doesn't mean we don't, don't care. Aaron, Aaron, I'm, Aaron, Aaron I'm, I'm a manager to the star. <laughs> I have many favors all over town. It would have all been taken care of. You would have been very happy. 
But that's okay. <laughs> We're happy to have you anyway. That's right. Uh, what's this Chandra Levy stuff going on? Well, it kind of ended. This is, I thought I would be following a trial that was supposed to start on October 11th. Yeah. And this is a man who was convicted of killing Chandra Levy uh, back in 2010. Uh, but there's absolutely no physical evidence at all to tie him to her death. And the only evidence at all uh, were the statements of a snitch. And it turns out that the snitch was a real liar, like like we know they usually are. And the, the case was thrown out. And so now no one has been convicted of her murder. And unfortunately, um, you know, it just makes, puts the focus back on Congressman Gary Condit because he, was, he had been seeing her at the time. And even though the police really... Uh, eliminated him as a suspect, I think in the back of people's minds, they can't get rid of his name. Yeah, well, once you're linked in something like that, you know how it is. We, we, we media folks, we don't tell you what to think. We just tell you what to think about. That's true. That's true, actually. That's a very good point. But actually, I think that, I think the Chandra Levy case did not, it was so hot uh, back in 2001, up until 9-11. And, and then it just, that story disappeared from the front page. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's had the uh, lasting power of, say, a Dominic Ramsey case. No, because she wasn't five years old. You know, if he'd been seeing someone who was that young, it would be, it'd still be going on. But it was an interesting case because he had a very, uh, very different public image than his real, than what his real life was. Um, he had seen a number of women on the side. And um, so that really exposed hypocrisy in Congress, not that we haven't seen that in the past. But unfortunately for him, um, he was having an affair with someone who disappeared, and then a year later her body was found in Rock Creek Park. And um, he, it ruined his life, too. Hmm. Um, do you, do you, did, you get, did you get to know him? No, I didn't. Um, he is going to appear on, he has, I don't know if you all remember, uh, back then he did an interview with Connie Chung, and it was a big mistake on his part because he wasn't willing to really tell the whole story, and Connie Chung went after him, and that made him look even worse. So he, he so, is, uh, the, the audience could see the walls going up and, and uh, immediately. Well, he's hiding under the chair for yeah. one thing. Well, there's that. No. Do you remember that? He just, he wouldn't admit, even though um, the police had admitted that he had said he had had a relationship with her and the DNA matched him of having sex with her, um, he wouldn't admit it on camera, so it made him look like he was hiding something. But this year, he is doing an interview with Dr. Phil. You should do Dr. Drew instead, or Dr. Dre, either one of those instead of Phil. It's interesting that he's doing Dr. Phil. It'll be interesting. Um, well, well Dr. Aaron, Aaron, I'm not going to get you to say it. I could. But um, uh, he, he, he's, it's chancy, and we're not talking about a real journalist there. Uh, there, I said it out loud. Well, and you can't say that. I think even he'd admit he's not 
a journalist. Well, qualified to have a television program. <laughs> but but that's why, I mean, why I think you would choose to go on with someone like Dr. Phil rather than a journalist who wants to get facts. Dr. Phil is probably going to go more for, you know, feeling and what it had the impact on his life. And um, But I think at this point, I... I think it would just be interesting to hear him talk. What would you, what, um, what would what would you go for now if you had the shot? Oh, I would probably do. I think I would go back to more of the the facts. Um, why he wasn't as upfront, what it did to his life, um, because he, in many ways, he hurt himself. Um, in the process, when I was starting work on this story. I interviewed the chief of, of detectives back then who told me, quite honestly, off camera, he said, look, we eliminated him. We could not find any evidence that he had been involved in this young woman's disappearance or her death, and yet he kept doing these dumb things that forced us to keep looking at him. That's an interesting... Um, I think that he was so concerned with his public image and that he didn't realize that, every, you know, in this day and age, everybody knew everything. They just wanted him to level. And, you know, the simplest way is to get in front and tell the truth, and, and you're done. You know, uh, if, you're, if you hide, you know, I don't have to tell you what to do. You know what to do. If he's hiding, uh, and he obviously had nobody working with him. Uh, to, well, to, he did. Well, That's then, then, the then, then, then they overpaid him. Then they were overpaid and should be fired. And I'm, and I'm yeah, saying that. I'm saying that. I'm saying that honestly, as a, as a professional, I, I, I do that. And, and it's there's just no way you put him in front of Connie Chung anyway. And if if he insists on it, then he's got to be prepped properly. And wasn't. Or if he was, he didn't listen. You know, it's that simple. Well, but you you can look at today and say. I mean, we, we could watch someone like Donald Trump, and he has the, some amazing people working with him, and he still goes off message. So, I mean, you're only as – you can have great um, advisors and great lawyers. No, you're, you're, you're only as good as yourself uh, at the exactly. end of the day. And, and, and Trump, Trump is only going to be as good as whatever the, the agenda is. He's going he's gonna to stick to it. And, and, and believe you me, it's interesting. It's a great study. It is, because as a reporter, and I think we all kind of feel this, like our, what we love about covering stories and writing books, and it really is a study of human nature. Um, and, you know, you look at someone who has accomplished as much as Donald Trump has, um, and he's had this, he has a lot of people who really like him. And so you can't imagine exactly why his campaign is going the way it does. Now, if you watch Fox, they will blame the liberal media for focusing on these faux pas, but, but I don't think any of us have ever seen a campaign anything like this. No, 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 this is, it's, uh, this is the only one we'll see like this, it, it, because it's not going to be, it's not going to be duplicated or copied, it can't be. It's, it's very unique, it is what it is, it's interesting as it comes. Um, 
I'm bored with it already. Well, no, I mean, again, I, you know, it's uh, take, you know, go three steps back and put on your reporter hat and and let them, you know, they'll say, "Oh, you're the liberal media," yada yada yada. Oh, no, no, but 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 take three steps back and look at it as a case study, and it's an amazing case study in in in, in public relations. And you know, I saw Aaron. I saw, I saw a a stat the other day that Hillary Clinton has spent fifty six million dollars on television. Like thirty million of it for the Olympics, Trump has spent zero, and by God, he's on TV more than her, her twice as much as her. He's not paying a dime exactly. for exactly. Well, he knows how to he get free media, of course. Right, he doesn't have to spend a dime. No, and um, and, and I'm not quite sure when I see the criticism of the press, and I don't cover politics, but I'm really not sure how you can cover it. Um, I, part of the problem is. The echo chamber. I mean, we have Fox and we have MSNBC and we have CNN and it's on 24 hours a day. So it seems like the story is louder because there are so many different um, places where you get it. But do you not cover it? Um, Do you not mention it when he says something like that the president is the founder of ISIS? Do you just not report that? Do you jump ahead and say, well, he must have been kidding because nobody else would say that? Well, I, mean, I, I, I don't I, really know how to cover it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't know how to cover it either other than I, I would think, I would really think that if he, actually I heard him say it, I heard it, it didn't, you know, I know the difference between a joke and not a joke, but I, I, I do really believe he, he was being extraordinarily... Um, What's Absurd. Flipping. Well, no, no, no. No. He, he obviously obviously he didn't mean it. Obviously he was being you know, he was using irony. But he didn't but he did let Hewitt help him out. When he went on, I mean here here's Hewitt on radio trying to help him out. Well he tried to, he gave him the really door and said, Go through this and you'll be fine. And, and he, he did. He tried to crawl out the window instead. No, he he he, he ran into the other wall. It, it was actually there was a lot of fun for me. But but, but, but <laughs> even more than Donald, I'm more interested in the um, PR people who then have to go on air and talk for for uh, Donald Trump because that's really interesting to me. And um, I find it very difficult to see whether they're sincere. Or do they really believe this? Are they just doing their job? Um, I, I just, I've never. Uh, uh, Aaron, I, I want to back up just a little bit, rewind this conversation back about of 30, course. 40 seconds. News, according to the definition I received back in news school when I was a child, is that news is that which you need to know. And that which you are entitled to know, and the rest is gossip. Now, I figure it must be a pretty slow news day if you look at everything that goes on in the world that has an impact on human beings' lives. When you watch American news, you wouldn't know that anything was going on except this sort of stuff. And that kind of mystifies me. Uh, you know, if I watch BBC or uh, Canadian or other other countries, there's all sorts of stuff going on that's fascinating. But I don't see it on American like, like, news. Like what? Oh, missing airplanes. <laughs> no, no, all, no, I mean, just yeah, all sorts of stuff. One, you've seen one missing airplane. Missing you've seen, no, I'm kidding about yeah, the missing Howard, airplane. Howard, Bur- yeah. Burl's right. America sucks. That's 
America does not That's suck. That's what Bur no, but the other countries rule, and America sucks. I was about. That, to, I didn't I, say I was, that. Are you having delusions? That's what Burl is saying. I was no, about to. Burl wasn't saying, saying that. Aaron, there's sorry, the problem with sorry, media, you, right you, there. You got in the middle of this argument. You don't want to hear this. But I don't know whether you know this about Burl, Aaron. But but Burl is a communist. No, I'm not a communist. <laughs> We're close. So so that's he's that's why Marxist. we have trouble with him. We do. It's he's Marxist. a very troubled individual. Um, <laughs> don't even ask him about the election. He'll bring up Khrushchev. <laughs> if the shoe if the shoe fits, bang it. That's my theory. Alinsky, that's who. Broke. Again, here he goes with the Alinsky. Here we go. I don't yeah, ski. We have another show going on here. <laughs> <sighs> Aaron's got some place to go. Let's let's let's. Well, no, she doesn't have to go till the show's over. No, man. I, she's I, still but, hoping for the toaster. So give her. A but break. I do I do want to make the, the the best of our time with her. No, so, so, so getting back to what I started to say before I was so rudely interrupted by Matt Allen, our producer. Uh, what is your feeling on on the thing of of American news that we tend to focus on on that which may not be as important as we think it is? Well, I I unfortunately have to agree, and it makes me sad to say that. Um, I think there are sources of news that really still um, try to focus on the important issues that we need to know about. But what has really happened is that news has become entertainment because it makes money. Mm -hmm. And people watch news, I hate to say, often not just to be informed, but to be entertained. And um, I think that is a problem. It used to be, when I first started at CBS, we gave people what we thought they needed to know. Now, not everyone agreed with us because there was always this image that the press was liberal um, and so that we didn't give people everything they needed to know. But there was a real effort to do that. And now, when I look across the board, and I'm not pointing to anybody in specifically, but I think we're all guilty of it, is that um, we want eyeballs. We want people to watch. We want people to listen. And so we will give them what we think they want to see as well need to see. So when you're, put, when, when you're putting a piece together today, how is it different from when you put a piece together in 1985? Oh, well, a big difference on 48 is that we covered some really tough issues and that people watch no matter what we put on. And now we cover primarily criminal trials. You know, there's a real appetite for crime stories. Well, and, I mean, Dateline's, Dateline's gone that way. 2020's gone that way. 20, yeah. My career's gone that way. <laughs> yeah. You have a career, yeah, well, we've, we've, got we've got Discovery ID. Uh, HLN's running forensic files every five minutes. Uh, you know, yeah. there's, there is a, there's a thirst for it, obviously. There's a thirst for it. Big but one. I guess, I, but I still concern this. I do a lot of wrongful convictions or questionable convictions. And I'm glad I have an audience out there now, um, and you've, you've seen it with Making of a Murder, with Serial, where people are now saying, wow, people are being convicted, innocent people are being convicted, I wanna know more. And we never used to got, get that at all. One of the biggest thrills of my life, and this really shows how empty my life is, but um, <laughs> that's, Ten years ago, if I would do a story, and in fact I did, I did Marty Tankliffe, um, who had been convicted of killing his parents, and in fact it turned out to be a hitman, but he had quote-unquote confessed. He didn't really, he, what he had said to the officer, could I have done it? Could I have? Because they were telling him he blacked out, and, and he was 17, and he's saying, really, could I have? And they called that a confession. When I would report that there was a coerced confession, viewers would always say... 
that is baloney. You'd never get me to confess to anything. <laughs> but now, I did a story two years ago, um, and this young woman is getting an evidentiary hearing next week in Waukegan, and her name is Melissa Kalusinski. She was convicted. She said, was a daycare worker. Uh, she was convicted of killing a baby who she was taking care of. There are so many problems with this case, I can't tell you. Um, but she did confess during a nine-hour confession. But when I put that story on, the viewers all went, oh, my gosh, I think this is a coerced confession. I don't think she did it. I can't. So I think that the audience now, because of DNA, because of seeing stories, is much more open to the idea maybe that person's innocent. And so that's a good part of yeah, because we're supposed to presume innocence going in when we have trial by talk show where we're talking about, I think this person did it. Well, uh, this person did it, and they haven't even had the trial yet. They had the evidence yet. That is such a pet peeve of mine because, now, this is controversial when I say this out loud, especially with prosecutors. I think reporters, journalists who cover trials should have a defense bent to be leaning toward the defense before yes. trial. And people look at me and they go, whoa, you're supposed to be right down the middle. And I go, no. Because the only way we have a presumption of innocence, it doesn't come from the judge, it doesn't come from the prosecutor, it's going to come from journalists who say, wait a minute, you know, not so fast. And, and yet other reporters will say to me, oh, you can't have a defense then. I'm proud of having a defense. Yes, but but can't can you? You're putting yourself in the story. Well, no, no, I'm covering it, but I'm I saying know, I'm putting. It, but you're bending. If you're bending, you're you're, you're putting yourself in. But no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm with her on this, Howard. When when I do my stuff, I, I usually they're structured like Law and Order, where it's before Law and Order dropped the part about where the trials are because no one cared. Yes, bro, <laughs> that, that's why you have no success. Let's oh talk come on! No, wait, Aaron. wait just a second. Well, let me get to go with this point here because I want to support I'm Aaron. And um, when I get to the point where the assumed perpetrator is arrested I do exactly what she says because we're supposed to presume innocence so I can't be hammering how guilty this person is through the entire book you can't you can't at all no yeah by the time you write the book you've got to pretty well have the story wrapped yeah but now now Corey Mitchell our good friend who wrote about the uh, uh, yogurt uh, you know murders uh, at the end of his book, he says, I don't think these people did it. And it turned out he was right. It took several well, we years uh, for, yeah, for them to be vindicated. I know. I was on that case from the very beginning. And I, you know, I go back and forth, but there's certainly, there's a DNA that doesn't match any of them. But no, what I mean by it is that there are so many reporters who will take the word of the prosecutor, because you can't. Because you can say you know, whatever the prosecution says, and not get in trouble with it because you are quoting a public official. And when the defense doesn't speak with them, they, it, they feel fine putting someone's uh, mugshot up and really giving the feeling, oh, this guy probably did it, or this woman probably did it. And I feel I can't use that mugshot if that's all I've got. I've got to make, I've got to bend over backwards to make sure that person gets a real fair shake before that trial. Because the court of public opinion in this day and age matters 
Oh, it, it, it extraordinarily matters. We'll talk more about it in a second. 60 seconds, right? We have to go twist the news. We'll be right back. 60 seconds on True Crime Uncensored. cell phone, and I know you do because you probably got Grinder on there, but it's time for you to add another app. That app would be for Outlaw Radio through the courtesy of RadioLoyalty.com. My suggestion is that you upload that app for free, mind you. Yes, totally free app. In order to be able to listen to us, the Demons of Decadence, every Saturday afternoon from 3 to 6 Pacific Standard Time or Pacific Daylight Time, and you'll have the opportunity to listen to us smoke drink and interrupt each other, which we do a really good job of doing. So once again, RadioLoyalty.com to pick up your free app of Outlaw Radio. Once again, this is Frank. So get off a grinder and get on to Outlaw. Nice. Hi, I am the legendary Burl Bear, raised on records, born to rock and roll, and I write true crime books. And of course, they're all brilliant, and I don't care whether you're totally illiterate or whether you're a voracious reader. I had one fan say they were a vociferous reader, and I'm not getting anywhere near them. However, you should buy all my books because of the great bookends of the 20th century. They bespeak volumes of your erudition and good taste, merely owning them. Buy several copies today. Uh, most recently released, A Taste for Murder and uh, Murder in the Family, a cozy story of Kirby D. Anthony who raped and murdered his aunt and her two little kids. That's not a pleasant story, but it's, of course, brilliantly written, and you'll enjoy it. Uh, coming out soon is uh, our story on the cocaine cops of the 75th Precinct in New York City, written with complete cooperation of the cocaine cops of the 75th Precinct, and a Dominican drug lord is helping us out as well. That'll be coming up probably September, October. And uh, let's see, just anything with my name on it, buy it, read it, believe it. Thank you, and now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Back to True Crime Uncensored. I've heard of it. Wonderful program. Aaron Moriarty's our guest today. With Burl Bear and I Howard Lapidus. <laughs> and Mark Boyer. Uh, to, uh, Featuring Ken. Mark C.G. Oh, Boyer. Right. We, what, we just what, watched what? To Catch a Genius uh, on TV the other day. Remember that show you were? You did that one where, where the guy was... I certainly did. I did. The smart guy who had been on... Jeopardy and smart enough to really, at least according to a jury, get away with murder for 20 years. That's not long enough for him. He probably is very upset that he was arrested. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that the prosecutor gleefully admitted there was no direct evidence uh, tying him to the murder, but there was a pretty strong circumstantial case. Well, and what I loved about that story, to be honest, um, I really like the investigative information. And what they had done is they had set up an interview with him, and he didn't confess anything, but what he did say, which was so essential, is that in the 24-hour period before his wife died, nobody else was there. And according to it, this woman had died from an excessive amount of nicotine. She wasn't a smoker. And so the... The medical evidence indicated that if she had taken that amount of nicotine, she would have died in less than 24 hours. 
the only person at home was him. And so by when he admitted that, that was the strongest piece of evidence against him, even though they couldn't show how she got the nicotine, they couldn't connect him to the nicotine, um, they could not, you know, she had no injuries, um, and they couldn't connect him to the ambient because she also had a large amount of ambient in her system. So there really wasn't a lot of evidence, although, I mean, the other fascinating part of that story was that people thought he was trying to kill her for months before. Oh, yeah. And they couldn't I mean, all her friends it. are saying, get the hell out. Yes. It was like watching in slow motion a car crash, except this was a, a spousal murder. And they kept saying, you got to get out. He's trying to poison you. And she never left, and she never got out. Yeah, this is what amazes me. There was a, a case on uh, Darren Kavanoke's show, uh, uh, Deadly Sins, recently, where this uh, woman uh, is murdering her husband. He wakes up, uh, and his only memory, he wakes up in the hospital, is his wife holding his head and shoving pills down his throat. Then he wakes up in a bathtub where he almost drowns. It's obvious she's trying to kill him, and yet he stays. Yeah, and the same thing with this this woman. This she stayed no matter how obvious Burl, it was. Burl, the cooking was really good. Yeah, yeah it must have been. The pasta was incredible. <laughs> and again, human behavior is fascinating because I don't understand that at all. I just don't. I guess if you're so close to it, you don't really want to admit that the person you love and who loves you is killing you. <laughs> that must be a downer. Uh, no, the relationship has got, got at that point, in just knowing a relationship or two, at that point, it's not love. It's convenience or money. Yeah, an erotic you attachment. Money. Yeah. You're so tied up with somebody else. You betcha. Financial. You betcha. Don't have to tell me about that. <laughs> oh, yes, I, I, I've just learned, you know, uh, on the first date, Aaron, I just give them the keys to a house. I say, you know, you're going to get this eventually. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> might as well just have it now. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, that's just, a cynical viewpoint. Uh, yes, it is. It's accurate. I'm a cynical view <laughs> for good reason. Um, but let's not talk about that now. Let's talk about let, let's talk about well, journalism. And does it? There was another study that just came out recently showing that once again, despite Thomas Jefferson saying a well-informed electorate is so important and get the facts to the people, that people are forming opinions and facts don't matter anymore. As a, a journalist, that bugs me. Do you really believe that, though? I don't. I think that I, I'm more concerned that people are only listening to people who agree with them. And that concerns me more, that it used to be you, you only had three or four or five sources of news, and that's what you were getting. But now you can go and get tailored news just in it's tailored exactly to what you believe, and that's all you listen to. That worries me more. I think people are interested in facts, but I think that they form facts and they don't want to hear anything that doesn't agree with what they already believe. That's sad. The people aren't open to new ideas, um, having their minds change. Having their minds changed, uh, is, uh, you're right, is, is off the table. It's, it, it is, it's and that's a lot, and anger. Yeah. So yep. much anger. I don't get that either. That people either really like someone like Hillary Clinton or they hate her. It's not like, okay, I don't really agree with her. Uh, you know, she's not my cup of tea. No, there's there, it's, no, it's, it's full blown hate. And and with and the, I, with that, the, I don't get with Donald Trump, full blown hate. 
And by the way, I mean, I, I've met the guy. You don't hate the guy. You know, I don't know if you know him, but uh, he is what he is, what he is. Uh, but hate, I don't think, comes in. I don't know. I, where's the line where you somebody crosses it with somebody that doesn't know somebody, and that person says, I hate that person? Well, have you been following? I mean, also, the um, there's an actress that was on uh, who's in that movie, the new Ghostbusters movie. Leslie, oh, yeah, the Leslie, Leslie Jones. Jones. Yeah. Le- Leslie Jones. Exactly. Yes. And Leslie Jones. And the hate? Come on. This is a very funny woman. And if you don't like her, why do you have to say anything? And um, the same well, thing happens with I mean, in, in entertainment, you, you put yourself out there. You know, right, Leslie, Leslie Jones puts hateful? herself out there. Yeah, why does that have to be hateful? Why do people well, have to say they hate b- me? B- by the way, by, by the way, I agree with you. <laughs> and exactly. Well, right, you know. Hey, let's talk about Fox News, fair and balanced. Now we know what Roger was fair and, and balanced about. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. How, do we, how does that happen? How, you know, I don't know. I'm going to shift the conversation. How do we get a Roger Ailes and how do we get a Bill Cosby? How does that work? How, how did I, it all... Power. Power? Yeah, I think that's power. And yeah. it's also, I mean, it's a man's world. I mean, women have, we've been, I mean, in some ways, we don't even notice it because we've accepted it for so many years coming up. But most women just don't want to rock the boat, so they're very nice. They nicely, politely decline. Um, some women lose their jobs over it. I think a lot has disappeared over the years, but or it's more subtle. But I think that's what I in part what was so shocking about the Fox News and Roger Ailes is that it was hard to believe that it was so widespread and that it seemed that a lot of people were aware of it. That was very surprising to me. Well, when you're up in to, this day and age. Aaron, when you're up to 20 people and it's just coming, it comes out after one person says something and then the other 19 fall into place, how is it, and, and, and you've, you've been, you've had an illustrious career, uh, I don't know if you've had any problems. I, I, I almost don't well, want to ask. She hasn't met me yet. I, well, that's please. I, I almost don't want to ask because I don't. I don't want. I don't want it to go there for you. <laughs> but but um, it it can't be easy being a woman in broadcasting. I'll I'll say that as a man in in the business. It can't be easy being a woman. It can't. I, I mean, well, I'm, it's also it's very difficult in the practice of law as well, and that's where I started. And so, in a way, um, you get used to it. If that's what you kind of aim toward as a woman, and that's right out of college, I went to law school, you know, you kind of get used to right away what the system is. When I first came out of law school, there weren't women who were getting chosen as partners. You, it was, we knew that, and we knew we had to fight against that. Um, in, I was in Columbus, Ohio. That's where um, I first started practicing law. And there were clubs where lawyers could take their clients, but women weren't allowed to join. So if you were a female lawyer, you were out of luck. I, I, agree, I, agree, I, I agree with that, though. You know, so <laughs> well, I think women being out of luck or are they men-only clubs? Oh, the men-only clubs, you, you, you know. No, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that a... A firm, and I would say if you were in, in, involved in that firm, it was probably a fairly substantial firm in that region, that, that they, uh, uh, again, a firm of substance would actually go that route with their clients. 
and and it's going going the, the the total men's route, keeping women out, and and it's just flat out crap. And right, but they had clients who didn't want to be represented by women. So what do you do in that case? I mean, I I can actually argue both ways because the problem is you had clients who would say, "I don't want this woman representing me," and so this woman or a woman. A woman, but okay, take, I'm just saying. Aaron, take me through that because this, 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 you're opening up my head here. Uh, t- 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 tell me that you, if you saw that happen, what happened? That happened all the time in the 80s. The 1980s, there would be clients, especially in towns like in the Midwest, in large towns, but not New York City. Um, and you would have long term clients who did not feel comfortable having a female lawyer. And so it took a while. Also, the other big issue for law firms is that, as you know, as any business, most law firms, when you're, when you're working in a law firm, you're working 12, 14-hour days. Right. Uh, clients expect it. So if you're a woman and you're going to have children and you need to go to events, that was frowned upon. There would be women who wouldn't become partners because, oh, my gosh, you could get pregnant. You could have children. And um, So that, 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 was, that, was, that was the line of thinking right there? Absolutely. Yeah, how can they I, concentrate on my case if their I, kid has a I, bad tooth? I'm proud to say my sister's in New York and one of the top lawyers in New York. It took her 25 years to make partner. And, and See, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised to hear that. She would laugh about this. One of my first experiences, because I went to a firm that didn't mind hiring a woman and um, right out of law school, and I had been writing for them in, in law school, and they hired me. But there were some very funny events. There was a merger between two um, ad agencies in Columbus. And one of the partners said to me, never let other lawyers go to the bathroom together. You can't. Because they, some deal will be struck in the restroom. So mm. at one point we're in the middle of this. It's all men. And they all get up to go to the restroom. And I said, no. And they went, what do you mean? I said, no, you're not going to the bathroom. <laughs> and they're like, look at me. But I was in a panic. I was young. And I couldn't get out of my head what the partner had said. Don't let them make deals in the bathroom. And I was realizing I was either going to go in with them or they weren't going in. (laughs) And the funny part was I got my way. They needed to go to the bathroom, and I got what I needed before they went. See, that's the technique. Full bladder means victory. (laughs) No question. (laughs) It was like... It was not intended that way, and we got lots of laughs about it afterwards, but it was because I'd had this partner's voice in my head going, never let the other lawyers, the opposing lawyers, go to the bathroom You know, you just brought back a memory. I've had one, as an entertainment manager, one case in my entire career where somebody was going after me, and I was in the court and in recess and went to the men's room and the other guy's lawyer was in there. And it was just me and him. And his lawyer says, what are we doing here? <laughs> so now all of a sudden I realize this guy's working me. I was he impressed. is working know, of course. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. I, so I, now I'm impressed. But, you know, it's not my first day at the beach. So, so you know, I go, I work him back. The case ends. I actually prevailed. Move on to literally a month later 
I did have a slight situation I needed an, uh, an attorney on. I called the guy. He's been my lawyer for 30 years. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. And by the way, here's the guy Bill Cosby fired uh, not long ago. I'll keep his name out of it. But uh, a phenomenal lawyer. But but the deal struck in the bathroom. There you go. So you can, so so let's bring up the the the, uh, the, the male and female bathroom thing. <laughs> now, have you ever dumbest, been on an airplane, the, Howard? you ever been on an airplane? No. Well, if you were on an airplane, you'd notice that the bathrooms are not gender specific. This is lavatory. Yeah, that's correct. Because if you try and get two people in there, forget about it. Well, well people have tried. <laughs> oh, no, people have tried. Me too. You know, I've, you know, I, yeah. I think there's a, a term for people. That's right. They get a pin. <laughs> yeah, yes, there is a term. And, and I must say, I'm, I am a member. But. Um, uh, Whoa, oh. TMI. Yeah, too much information. Yeah. I don't want to visualize that. But no, hold on. But not, for, but not for accomplishing what you think I did. So it's just a. Oh, my God. I'm really worried. Were there any pants no, on that plane? I was given I was given an honorary membership because somebody thought it was going on. So I said, oh, I'll take it. Uh, okay. And you get a little pin from the stewardess and you leave. <laughs> they, the stewardesses carry those pins in their pocket? I'm actually using the word stewardess, and I apologize to all women everywhere. Flight attendant, yes. Yes, because it's flight attendant. Yes, thank you. But there's a, a difference between airplane lavatories and what we're talking about. Oh, here's Mark C.G. This is Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker. Uh, with, These are, those are, those are single-use facilities. Yeah, one person He's at a time. Point. One person a at a time, and then what? Yeah. What the discussion is really about is uh, multi-use facilities no, 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 for no. Please, a particular gender. Please, Mark. Please, we do not. I, if we go to that bathroom issue, I'm leaving the interview. Yeah, you started it. I, no, I didn't. He <laughs> did. No, no, no. It's all Aaron's fault. Aaron. Mark has the the point. Of course he does. But we could we could take this. You know that whole argument was a waste of time in the first place. Just my opinion. Just, just my opinion. But, but, uh, Mark, let's stay out of it. You know why? Well, you know, you should have said something that, uh, before I start. Okay, stay out of it. Stay out of it. So no. that's before you start the next thing. Well, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> before you start the next one, you're stuck. We're going to warn you right sure. now. I, I, you know, should do, do you want to turn in your journalism degree? Me or her? No, me. I've thought about it. Uh, Aaron, you have you thought about it? You, you no, know. no. You know what? I, I, this to me is it's, it's my life. I mean, it's to me. I I was meant to be a journalist. I have that kind of dying curiosity all the time. Um, I, the best part about being a journalist is you're just meeting the most interesting. Even in these terrible, and you all know this, that in these terrible crimes, you often meet some of the most courageous, uh, resilient, uh, tough people, and also sometimes the most evil people that you can imagine. And so that if you have any interest in human nature and how we're made, then journalism is the best best profession possible for that. Um, because you're constantly encountering all different kinds of events, tragedies, um, wonderful uh Victories and how people operate in those situations. Aaron, have you ever been in a situation that the investigative journalists that were working for that Fox affiliate in Florida ran into, where because of sponsor conflict with what your investigation reveals, that you're told to kill the story? I've never had that, and realize I—I I mean, I was a consumer reporter for years in local news, and so that was, of course, a risk all the time. But no, I've never had that. And, would you? Would um, you? Would you walk if that happened to you? 
Yes. Oh, definitely. Okay. Um, definitely. Uh, I, I think you would have to because in the back of my mind, if I ever give up a story for the wrong reason, either because not just because someone doesn't want me to do it or because I'm scared. I mean, I've had that where I knew that I was going to be sued or something if I went ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have to get out of the business altogether. You, yeah, you you know, I, I was impressed with your your definition of, of of what you do, your life as a journalist, and how you how you you know you set out upon it. Uh, but now you say you would bend to the defense, and that that's not you didn't learn that in school. What 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 made you change? Because well, that, I think no, I think it's the the realization that the we really don't have a presumption of innocence in this country. And that if you're to, going yeah. to have it, if it's not just going to be lip service, it has to come from the journalist prior to trial. It has to be... So it gets back to what I said before. You're, you're inserting yourself, you're inserting your point of view into the story. But the no, point no, of view no. is what... It's the, not your point of view. It's, it's the constitutional, whatever. I understand no. the constitution. I've actually got a small copy. It was given to me recently. By the ACLU. Right. Pushing... It's what it's doing is pushing the prosecution. You know, when it, when the prosecutor says publicly, "We arrested this person because he killed his wife." Well, that's just his point of view, and I may not have the ability beforehand to do a full investigation to say, "Oh, he's right or wrong." But I'm going to say, "Wait a minute, this is a guy. You know, he's just being accused, and I need to push the prosecution hard." Or I have to be very careful about using the mugshot they give you. Realize, I don't think I'm inserting myself. I think what I'm doing is being careful not to be used by the prosecution. Right, that's part of the rules because of journalism I, is to uh, uh, be watchdog over... Uh, Did you say be careful not to be sued? Did no, I hear you? Used. Not to be used. Oh, used. Okay. Not so, to be used. I don't know which one's because, worse, but okay. <laughs> but that's actually what is happening in many of these cases. And I've had prosecutors who don't want to talk to me because they say, you have a defense then. And I'll go, excuse me, that's my job to ask you these tough questions. That's my, that's, you should Okay, Aaron, that. I got to, uh, almost I got to jump on you here, but I've, I've got to jump in here. And and get to this. What drives me crazy watching journalists interview someone is the person who will blatantly lie. You know, it's like a total distortion of known historical facts or something. And the journalists will just sit there and nod their head. And I go, why doesn't someone call BS on this? It's anyone who interviews Hillary Clinton. Anyone. See, now Matt Matt, Matt has a big throat. He swallows everything. (laughs) No, no. Let me tell you, because I've interviewed Hillary. I don't know. But the problem with interviewing Hillary is, there are two things you immediately know. And this is actually going to surprise you. When you interview her... You really like her. I've got to tell you, you see a side of her that you don't normally see. What? What? what, um, what do you? Hang on, slow down. What do you see? Well, like she is a policy wonk. There's no one who knows the facts and cares about them more than this woman. And but here, that's why it's really tough to interview her, and why it's really hard to. She just deflects questions. Um, I'd add that. And she does it masterfully. She's a brilliant woman who knows her stuff. Now, she screwed up, I think, on Fox, where she talked so... Um, it, it, you couldn't even understand her explanation about, 
the email. So right. she wasn't perfect then. But normally when you interview her, it's very tough because she deflects and does these very long answers that it's hard to break into. So, um, it, it, oh, she, she, it, I mean, she deflects and bridges like nobody else. You, oh, you, you yeah, know, you, you, you've got to follow her over the bridge. And, and well, like Ted Koppel used to say, fascinating, Senator, but you didn't answer the question. That's right. But can I just add one thing that I just always tell my friends or anyone who asks me? There was a moment, I was interviewing her for Sunday morning, and it was when her book came out, and people were still wanting to ask her a lot about the Monica Lewinsky and her husband, you know, the whole thing. And she was very good at deflecting. Um, but what we all walked away with, and you know how many people said, oh, she stayed because... Um, because she cared about her political future. No, I've got to tell you, everyone in the room, every member of our crew, the cameraman, the sound man, the producer, me, walked away believing that she really loves Bill. She lights up when she talks about Bill. And maybe none of us totally understand other people's marriages, but I, I will where I'd be willing to put money on the fact that this woman stayed because she loves her husband. Put yourself in I'm, her. Put yourself in her situation. How would you come out? I, I you know, I, I like any woman. You're like he humiliated you, and um. But when I interviewed her, I just was struck how much she loves Bill, and I, I was very touched by that. Um, it's a very human side of her. And uh, so I have seen a very human side of Hillary Clinton, as well as I've run into trying to ask a tough question and being deflected, um, you know, where you just can't get in there. Um, but she is, she knows her stuff. She's a brilliant woman. You know, this has nothing to do with whether you agree with her policies or whether you like her. I, that, this is just simply my observation of having interviewed her twice. Yeah, it's, uh, being an interviewer is a difficult job, as it said on the on the internet on uh, on our website, uh, where it said that I was best known for answering uh, for asking the probing questions such as "What are you wearing?" and "What's your pin number?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> those are my two favorite this is, questions. This is why I, I you know I, I partner with him on the show, Aaron. But I don't like the guy. <laughs> I like the guy. I just don't get him. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you that. There you go. No one yeah. gets him. Nobody well, I, gets I, him. I save my uh, hardcore investigative reporting for my books, and I have fun otherwise. <laughs> you have fun? I have you, fun. You're calling this fun? To me, it is. I, I watch you. You'll leave here at 3 o'clock. You'll disappear. And then you'll come back at 6.30 with a big smile on your face, and you won't tell us where you were. <laughs> I was interviewing Hillary Clinton. No, you weren't. I was with Tina Turner again. No, you weren't. <laughs> yeah, but what, what about Aaron's toaster? Are we going to get to that? Uh, so I've got it packed away. She's got two coming now. Oh, at least. Yeah, two, a two or four slice. <laughs> well, that's a good question. Until we could resolve that, we have to have a Senate investigative committee. There you go. <laughs> I mean, we've drifted off of true crime, but I sure have enjoyed talking about journalism. Hey, do you get money on the re reruns of uh, uh, 48 Hours? No. I wish. I wish. Yeah. I don't know if you remembered Harold Dow. Um, unfortunately, Harold Dow yes. died um, of an asthma attack, and he was just the most beloved member of our staff. But that was his big complaint, is that unlike... Uh, actors and actresses who get these residuals, we never do. 
But, um, you know, most of us didn't go into the business for the money. We went into it for the intellectual... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then all and those altruistic motives that we and had. And then, yeah. and then, Aaron, it was the money, you know, but... Yeah, they're not going to. They're not going to pay. You know, how many times do they run? Uh, Forty-eight hours. How many times will they actually run it? Do you think? Well, when it runs again on Discovery Channel, so it runs many times. Yeah, Discovery, the schmuffery. I mean, it would be, <laughs> hey, wait a nice. minute, uh, don't you? Um, oh, never mind. What? I, I'm involved in all of that stuff. I, I can speak to it. I can speak to every one of those deals. It, it's it's uh, it, it ain't in favor of the talent. And no, there's never been residuals in news no. that I know of. Hey, remember one day. But, but here's were... the thing, and, 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 and I'm about to be involved in a negotiation where I'm going to take the stance that, yes, it's news, but it is, in fact, entertainment, and it is a piece of entertainment that the network is using as entertainment. And the talent should be viewed upon as entertainers also, along with journalists. And I'm not wrong on that. I'm barely making the case here, but I do have a case. And it's going to be interesting to see how that comes out, because they want this person tough, you know. But it's, 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 um, it, it, it's, we've come to an age where you mentioned it. You mentioned every one of your, uh, the, the, the shows you work on and your competitors, and everybody's in this space now. And everybody's trying to entertain to you know, garner their audience. It becomes like USA Today, which people think is a newspaper, but it's a magazine. It was never they, a newspaper. No, but people think it is. They research what do you want to read, and then that's what they write, <clears throat> which is what magazines do. Look, Roger Roger went and he hired everybody that had a name, and he was smart about it. And then he was you know, stupid doing other things. But he built a network based on star power. And, and well, that was actually Rune Arledge who did it even. Rune yeah, Arledge at yeah, ABC. Yep. It, he turned regular news people into stars. That's and right. I've always had a bit of a problem with that. Only, I mean, I, I do want people to connect to you and, and realize that since we're human beings, we do have assumptions and biases that we might not even be aware of. So I do think people need to say, okay, I know this person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to their reports knowing that they're human beings. So I like that. But I also, my real view of a journalist, my dream of being a journalist is really being the voice over your, you know, behind you on your shoulder saying, okay, now look over there and that's happening. And you should know that this happens seven times a day or something. And now look over there. That to me is what a journalist is supposed to be. Just that voice over your shoulder that helps you put events in your life in perspective. That would be my ideal view of journalism. Well, we used Not, to, uh, I'm a star, watch me because I'm a star. Yeah, but it, it's... Uh, <laughs> That's Aaron, welcome, I saw well, on well, CNN. Welcome, welcome to showbiz. I saw on Thank CNN, you. you know, they have their various talking heads. They actually had, as one of the talking heads, a reporter, in quotes, from the Center for Western Journalism. They would know journalism if it attacked them on the street. And I was stunned that they would have someone from Center for Western Journalism on. And I, I, I mean, I, I could not figure out in my mind 
what possibly was going through their, their heads. Uh, it used to be that we didn't uh, identify people by their race, their religion, their nationality, unless it was directly germane to the story. Uh, just going back to the 60s or whatever. Uh, but now I see on Facebook, people post these from these so-called news sites. The headline says, Black Lives Matter Thugs Beat White Woman. And you read the uh, the article and it has nothing to do with Black Lives well, Matter or anyone involved in it. When did Facebook become a, a piece of... No, I mean, they're putting up, you know, links to uh, these so-called news sites, which aren't right. news sites. No, they're not. And people can't tell the difference. We could do another three hours on that. We're not going to do that. Unfortunately. Uh, well, it would be fascinating, but not today. But how could you tell the difference between Aaron Moriarty and 48 Hours and Jews News? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, how do you tell the see, difference? Aaron, this is where I draw the line with this guy. But I, I understand that completely. But <laughs> drawing the line or what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, what you're saying. Aaron, thanks so much for thanks this. Thanks for joining uh, us. We will, uh, we will do this again shortly, yes? Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Sarah Moriarty of CBS 48 Hours, Crime Babe Supreme, and Crime Hottie. There you go. Yeah. Take that off your your Wikipedia page. (laughs) (laughs) I did not put that up there. I know you didn't, but I'm giving her advice. (laughs) On on my page, it said I had three testicles. Yeah, that's great. I did not put that in. So happy. Special celebrity guest coming up in mere minutes. Well, that's good. Well, that could be Uh, anybody. Bro, what's next? Magic Matt Allen and the Demons of Decadence live on Outlaw Radio USA. Standard. The beleaguered and tempest tossed broadcast industry.